Hello and welcome to For All Mumkind, the podcast, a podcast by mums for mums. My name is Pamela and in each episode I sit down and chat with a mum about motherhood, the ups and downs and everything in between. Today's guest is a former teacher, neurological development therapist, an entrepreneur and a mum to wonderful boys, Matthew and Alex. It's Alwyn Moran. Welcome, Alwyn. Hi, thank you for having me. You're very welcome. So most people would probably know you as the face of Cognitive Kids. Yes, yes. God love them. (laughs) (laughs) To deal with this. (laughs) And that's an Irish baby brand which is dedicated to supporting the natural development stages of babies. Yep. Through your products. Correct. And most moms would know them as kind of sip, dip Dip, and grip. Grip and crawling. And crawling. Yeah. If I suppose I developed it. Um, because I could see that home environments are changing and our own environments are changing, really. Um, but the requirements for a baby's brain development are not changing. Yeah. Uh, and so I would have worked as a neurological developmental therapist with children with ADD, ADHD, dyslexia, dyspraxia, autism, you name it, basically from the age of seven upwards in the remediation side of things, not necessarily trying to fix, but trying to alleviate some of the more um, strong characteristics that you, you can because the brain is so plastic that there is the ability to be able to work with it and uh, help kind of progress that along. Uh, but when I had my own boys, then I could see that actually even just from the crawling, so crawl was our first product. And both boys were preemies. So Matthew was born at 33 weeks and Alex was born at 30 weeks and very poorly. Um, And so I knew then that they were at a greater potential for having neurological delay because I always joke with them. I was like, you weren't fully cooked (laughs) when you came out. So, you know, like you still need that extra input. Um, And so I really wanted to kind of be mindful of that and help them and, you know, like Crawling is my big thing anyway, and it is like one of the most important actually stages in brain wiring because it's I won't go too into it, but it gets it's the first time that the opposite side of the body work to perform a particular task and the so opposite sides and then opposite um, top and bottom. So it's really, really important and it really shows higher brain functioning starting to come in. And so Matthew I could see him and he was struggling to get grip on our wooden and tile floors at home. And it was really then I kind of went, oh, my God, actually, like we don't have carpets in our homes anymore. And how are babies supposed to crawl when they don't even know their legs and arms belong to them? Mm -hmm. They don't have the muscle strength developed. That's what crawling helps to do. I was like, it's really difficult. And I was like, God, they really need to make like clothes with grips on the knees to help them get the knees up so that they can actually then start to develop their muscles so that they can go forwards or backwards. Like So anyway, like I did strip a carpet upstairs at home and I literally just on the landing and that's where we stayed for three months, kind of help working on crawling yeah. and build his muscles. And then um, <clears throat> obviously I had no baby, no other baby at the time. So I had the luxury of being able to just give him the Dedicated, full attention. Yeah. So then I wanted um, when I had Alex then and he was even more preemie. Um, I wanted to make sure that he went through the crawling phase also. And 
same thing was happening. He was really struggling on wooden tile floors. And at that point then I used to go out and I'd go into like baby shops and things and I'd be looking for something and I'd hold my breath going, I think I'm going to kick myself now if somebody has developed these. Um, and thankfully they hadn't. I was like, yay. It really did come out of the, your own two boys and seeing the need and kind of following it. And understanding brain development. Yeah. So, yeah. So. And they were preemies, but you practiced hypnobirthing. Yes. And did you get the have that type of birth with the two small boys? No. Yeah. <laughs> no. But because, you still got to use the tools. Oh, like, absolutely. So it's not, hypnobirthing isn't something that you just go in on the day and yeah, do. It's, it's actually, you practice it. It's like a meditation. Yeah. That you practice weekly, months up, obviously months up to the, the birth, because <laughs> I never got to the end stage. So, you know, I practiced with... Uh, can't even think who it was now, but they were based in like Nutgrove. Like it was a one to one kind of session. So and like you bring your partner or your husband with you, you know, they would explain to you and guide you through it. And so it was like an hour, an hour and a half session. And I really, really loved it and really worked on the visualization and, you know, that sort of kind of getting tapping into your body. And I'm a real firm believer in listening to your body anyway. So maybe yeah. I'm kind of super open to this kind of stuff. Um, I definitely know that all my family thought I was like crackers. <laughs> um, but I sure I shake that off because they're probably right. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's just I have different beliefs. So I, I get my, my two boys in Mount Carmel which isn't there anymore, yeah. unfortunately, but it was so lovely because it's literally like five minutes from my house. So I was so worried about giving birth. I was like, I don't want to be in a car for any length of time that I don't have to be. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, I'll go around the corner. Thanks very much. Um, and uh, and it probably, uh, the hypnobirthing probably helped with that as well, like the fear because like it is really scary, you know, yeah. I mean, when you find out that you're pregnant and it's all super exciting and stuff. And then as bump starts to grow, you're kind of like, going, actually, the reality of how do I get this out now? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, God. Um, so, yes, I think it probably kept me fairly chilled and, you know, calm because whatever you'd learn in your week, you'd have to kind of continually practice that then in the evenings or, you know, kind of yeah. whenever you had a moment. And the stuff, friend of mine so. gave me her book on it and the mp3 files to go with it and I kind of was like yeah I'll do it and then I left definitely left it too late yeah and I was like no this should have been I should have done this yeah. like at month one to build up yeah. that kind of mind resilience and mind strength yeah and practice it this is definitely well for me and I definitely wasn't able to gain the skill with like six weeks to go yeah no definitely it's much. not that type of thing no <laughs> heck no um no it isn't and like it's some it is definitely something that's really useful, whether you get to use it or not, yeah. you know, because like I was saying, when I went in then, you know, and they weren't sure if I was in labor or not. And they were like, oh, you actually are. Um, and they had the consultant then they had a micro preem consultant then to deliver my own consultant was I don't know where he was, probably up a mountain skiing or something like that. Um, but they had the micro preemie guy in and um, he just said he was like, look, because you're so early and uh, we don't want to stress the baby and uh, we need to we need to control your labor. So we need to give you the epidural. And so I was like, look, do you know what? Actually, I can have my birth plan there and what I want, but it's not about me. It's mm -hmm. actually what's best for the baby. So hook whatever up to me you need. 
like let's just have a safe delivery so and probably the hypnobirthing probably had me even prepared for that yeah you know because it does get you in the mind it's like tap in tap into your baby you know all that sort of stuff so you know where you're able to kind of step back and go it isn't about me it's not it's like it's literally how do we bring this little person into the world safely so you're a mum to two boys yeah what's that like it is it is awesome actually so I have to confess they are phenomenal but I am bringing them up in a very open home so it's just me and them I my marriage broke up from their dad when my eldest was three and my youngest was one I wanted to have a home environment where we talk about absolutely everything um but also where they're treated kind of you know like they they have their chores they contribute to um the running of the house and I always say to them and they've had their chores since they were about two so really little simple like you know even oh, probably even younger like the tidy up after playing mm-hmm. with toys um and so it's always been age appropriate but like where at four onwards they were always helping prep veg for dinner or set the table or you know bring the stuff from the table over to the counter and then it's like oh now pack it in the dishwasher make your bed you know this kind of thing and so we've been leveling up now for years and like so I have now I have a 14 year old and a 12 year old that could cook you dinner no problem whatsoever and bless them every Sunday they very consciously made sure that that was my lie-in day now it's only, that's only happened in the last two years but it's like amazing so you only have to hang on till they're 12 <laughs> so <laughs> keep in their parents there is light at the end of the tunnel but so and then they'll bring me up breakfast and you know kind of like it's it's my chill out morning and they consciously insisted on that it wasn't that I was like that's Sunday I'm having a day of rest or whatever yeah you know so and that's like we'll talk about everything so you know like if I'm kind of premenstrual and I'm a bit crazy and I might like look at them and just you know kind of like they they literally might have breathed in my zone and you're like for god's sake burr, 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 you know and then I'll come back like a couple of minutes later going I'm really sorry I actually don't know what happened there and they'll go mom you do your period and it's not in a condescending way yeah, it's like an understanding where I've obviously had said to them before you know it's like oh my god I'm so sorry I'm a little bit mad or you know kind of like yeah I've pain in my tummy I have my period or you know that kind of thing um and so because like they're going to have girlfriends and wives or partners or whatever. And it's about building empathy and understanding that, God, if you fly off the handle, it's not necessarily actually it's not a bad thing. You can come back and say sorry mm-hmm. um, and explain where the result of your behavior came from, um, because I suppose I've always brought them up like there's a reason for a behavior. And let's try to tap into that and figure that out and for them themselves so that they could then work out how like how they are as people, how they react in certain situations, why they react in a certain way. Um, you know, were they tired? Were they hungry? Don't they feel comfortable with that person or, you know, yeah. which is really key. Like these are really key skills and they don't just switch on at 
you know, first year in school. Yeah. You need to kind of, well, I believe they, you know, you really need to help them start to figure themselves out as beings so that they can be independent. They can trust themselves to make a decision from newborn to the boys now. Yeah. What phase did you find the most challenging? Every single one of them. (laughs) (laughs) And there is no lie there. Um, Because each different phase brings with it something different to navigate. Yeah. Like you, I find that I'm constantly thinking about their mental health and their emotional well-being. Uh, Like, well, every parent is. But, you know, so now say we're 12 and 14 and we're navigating like we just navigated our first concert okay. or gig or whatever yeah. it's called now. I'm so uncool. Um, but that was our first kind of conversation. And literally, I want to my my knee jerk reaction is no fucking way, yeah. you know, um, but I have to be mindful that actually he's almost 15 I've been pretty lucky to get away with it actually mm-hmm. until now. Um, and, you know, he doesn't really ask for a whole lot. And this is something that I'd really like to do. And so, you know, you're just kind of like, OK, so I can be supportive and I can facilitate and I'll even buy the ticket. Made him work for it, though, but it bought the ticket. And, you know, so now it's like kind of just in my mind, it's not until the end of October, but I'm already in prep mode for, yeah. you know, so, hey, this, this conversation might happen. And, you know, like, how would you feel in this scenario? So I'm giving him his toolkit for if something happens that or if he finds himself in a situation or, you know, that kind of thing. Obviously interspersed with really yeah. cool stuff and, you know, whatever. This is it's not a real like overload and, you yeah. know, kind of like super heavy. Um, because boys don't like to talk face to face. They're just not built like that. They will always talk side by side. Okay. So you'll generally find that um, boys, particularly girls will talk all the time. It doesn't matter. Yeah. But you'll tend to find that boys will open up more like if they're in the bath when they're little and there's been something bothering them throughout the day. That's when it'll come out. Or now, you know, that we're older. Well, I suppose a lot of the stuff will come out in the car because they don't have that intense mm-hmm. face to face and the like eye, eye contact, contact yeah. where they, it's much more freeing for them. Um, so that's something to be mindful of. Yeah. Yeah. You little girl, so you're OK. Yeah. No, I'm just thinking but, even of, of younger boys, like my nephew and stuff. And uh, yeah, you'd always get the chats after school. Yeah. In the car. Yeah. Sitting behind you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like genuinely. Every single stage does bring with it its own complexities. Because you're changing as a mum, aren't you as well? That's, yeah. that's what I... You, you have to be flexible though, yeah. Yeah, and you have to adapt. And like that, where your knee jerk will be no, you have to kind of go, hang on. Is it the best thing for them for me to say no? Yeah. Like, am I stopping them from learning something here? And, you know, whereas I'm a firm believer in saying no, because particularly when they're little, like they really need to hear this. They, they need to hear no because no helps them figure out how to deal with those feelings and manage frustrations and manage anger and manage disappointment and sadness. Whereas if they never hear no, it's actually, I believe, and there's an awful lot of actually research to back it up, it's much more damaging because the world isn't mm-hmm. yes, 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 yes. 
Um, and it's much more damaging where if they're older and then they hear a hard no for something they really wanted, they really can't cope with that and they find it very, very difficult. And are you the mom that you thought you'd be? I'll be 100% honest and say there are days that I am better than I thought I would be. There are days that I am worse than I thought I would be. And then there are days that I am, what you know, like, yeah, I, I'm exactly where I kind of thought Um because I think parenting is like that. I genuinely think like, you know, there are some days and you're just like, oh, I wish I recorded it. It was amazing. And, you know, like had the best thing and this cropped up, but we navigated it so well. And, you know, we talked and everybody's on the same page and yada, yada, yada. And like literally it's a bit like business. You know, you think like nailed it. That's that mountain climbed now surely things are going to get more straight from here on in uh no (laughs) you know like all you need is one email and it just like pulls the rug from underneath you same thing all you need is somebody to be poorly or a bad mood or hangry oh that's really (laughs) like rough one to navigate um or on a journey and have forgotten to pack the nappies or you know just some little it's it's a collection of little things that really need to fall into place yeah. for you to feel, yes, this. I, yeah, I, I feel brilliant in myself today about who I am, you know. And then there's some days like I could be just super tired or, you know, coming up on a period or something hormonal or whatever. Like if they were doing the same behavior the day before it would have been fine. But just today it's like, no, no, like you're getting on every single nerve that I have in my body. Like it's just not okay you know like I will let a roar sometimes or like it is few and far between and you know it's a bit of shock and awe I think because sometimes that is needed also where they need to have a little bit more awareness of their behavior and the impact on other people as well and those days you know you're like oh my god I totally didn't think that I would ever roar at my kids or you know that kind of thing Mm -hmm. but the most important thing is to kind of come back and say look I'm really sorry that was an overreaction Yeah, because if you can't apologize to your kids for your behavior, how do you ever expect them to apologize to you for their their own? Yeah, you have to model the behavior. Um, And as they get older, (laughs) definitely. I think it's easier to keep your shit together when they're smaller, when they're bigger and they've way better questions also and challenging you and they have better arguments as to why they should be able to do something or whatever, which is great. That's what you want to nurture is independent thinkers. So they need to be critical thinkers. They need to be able to argue points. But it can really get frustrating when you're actually going, oh, my God, I'm clearly an amazing parent because you're really annoying me now. And (laughs) you're like, I'm losing this argument. And they feel the most important thing for me, for children and child development healthy like healthy child development is that a child feels safe and secure and in order for them to do that um they really need good boundaries and they need those boundaries to be consistent for you know a period of time uh, until it's age appropriate to shift those boundaries whereas and that was something that was really really important for me with the kids particularly you know just being myself um kind of bringing them up was to maintain a focus on stuff even when I wanted to give in for me I wanted to give in to make me feel better about you know something because they were upset and I had to really focus on that and kind of go why do I want to give in because I want to feel better it's actually not going to do them any kind of like 
positives if I give in now because I'm sending them the wrong message Mm -hmm. and the lines are not clearly defined for them. And that's not fair to them. Whereas in the immediate, the easy thing to do is say yes, Mm -hmm. but it's not. It's actually creating much more complex problems the next time this issue crops up or whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, you said before becoming a parent doesn't change you. It makes you realize that the little people you created deserve the very best of your time. So you're Did I? yeah, <laughs> that was quite insightful. <laughs> so you're obviously a mum and a successful businesswoman. So how do you manage your kind of week for the kids, for your business, for your own self care? Yeah, how do you do all that? Badly, <laughs> I know. Um, so I initially when I was teaching, I mean, I still was never home before half five. And I think there's that, you know, kind of myth out there. The teachers are finished at two and, you know, kind of the whole day free to themselves. Um, not true. But then when I started up Kids, obviously, I thought this would be great. Sure. You know, like I have an office at home, separate. I work there I'll be around for the boys much more yada 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 but actually found it much harder to segment because my day because um everything seemed to bleed into each other Mm -hmm. and then of course I was reading all about this work-life balance and there was this huge thing about seven years ago about work-life balance and da 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 and I was kind of reading up on it and I was kind of going, oh, my God, I'm terrible. I'm failing at everything because I can't figure it out. But actually, after a while, I kind of thought, you know, that's a whole load of S-H-I-T-E for me. It's Mm -hmm. like you can't have that. And it's putting pressure on people and it's then making them feel crap because they can't achieve it. So I kind of decided to approach it at a different way. And I like to call it work life integration where I try to bring the two things together. So I will be up and I'll work in the morning because I'm dealing with different time zones and stuff. So I could be up like I was up this morning at like half five and I'd get maybe two hours done and under my belt before the boys would wake up. Like this would be like school kind of time. Yeah. So, so at least I've got a chunk of work done in the day already. And then the kids are there. So then I'm fully with them. Mm-hmm. I'm present. And I genuinely feel that mornings are super important because they set kids up in particular for the rest of the day. And so if you have a frantic, crazy house in the morning, your kid will carry that with them for the rest of the day. And I just really made a conscious decision not to have that kind of a morning for the boys so it's very chilled out no stress you know they'll have a really good breakfast every morning um and you know it's always a hot something like it's like porridge or eggs or you know kind of like rashers or you know there's always really good proteins really good kind of balanced breakfast nice smoothie and we just sit down and we kind of chat so it's a really important touch point in the day for me as well particularly if, you know, that evening I might have something that I have to go out to. So I'm not yeah. going to be there for bedtime. So I really make sure that, you know, they say there's like three main touch points in the day. So I try to be around for as many of them as possible. But there's some days where I'm only around for one of them. So it'd be like 
breakfast time before they go to school, when they come home from school and then bedtime. So that's our kind of our morning routine. Then they'll go to school. I'll go for a quick walk or a run in the park. Um, and then I'm back at my desk then by 10 o'clock and continue on to do whatever I need to do. And now that my youngest is heading into secondary school, I can't believe I have no, <laughs> no kids in primary school anymore. I'm ancient. Um, and like, yeah, it's galloping past so fast. But they'll now come in at lunchtime because they live uh, they live locally. <laughs> nice to know that they live near me. <laughs> They, they live with me, but the school is they walk to school oh, and great. walk back. And the, uh, like anybody who's in the area that doesn't have to commute in goes home for lunch. So it's lovely. So actually, generally, I'll be there for their lunch. So I get to have a sandwich made and um, it's literally like passing kind of thing, just swapping books out. But it's still really nice. Yeah. And, you know, I'm really thankful for that. And definitely if I was teaching, I wouldn't have had that. You know, I wouldn't be mm-hmm. there for that. Um, and then they'll, you know, scoot back off. I'll go back, do a chunk of work. I'll probably still do more work even after school because, you know, they have sports, they have training and all that sort of stuff. So they are kind of busy until like six or seven o'clock um, and not at my direction. It's their sports mad. So they're into all sorts. So they're nearly training our matches like every evening of the week. Um which is super important, I think, for boys particularly, because they really need to burn off the adrenaline and, you know, kind of tire themselves out. Very, very important. So it buys me some more time then, you know, and then we just kind of chill out in the evenings. So just try to be there for them. So that's probably the best way. And that's only really properly started in the last couple of years where I totally sidetracked. I used to love running and, you know, when Coggy Kids started to get busier a few years ago I sidetracked that completely and really really missed it because mm-hmm. it I found that it impacted my sleep then yeah and I hadn't really twigged how much I needed it yeah if that makes sense you know and it was just kind of like oh my god I don't have enough time hours in the day yada yada um but now I I was very sick there just before Christmas and I had a scare and thankfully after a couple of months of in and out of hospital and tests and things like that everything is like it's okay I've got a, a thing called Hashimoto's which is an autoimmune disease not going away but I mean it's you know it's manageable Um, so that's like cool but it, that was a real awakening to me as well in a November, my GP is very kind of chilled out guy. And even if you walk into him with like a limb hanging off, he'll be very OK. Oh, we need to get this sorted now. You know, kind of mm-hmm. you feel very calm with him. But he got panicked. So that put the heart crossways in me. Yeah. And I just kind of it made me reflect over Christmas when I didn't know like what was happening. I was like, what the fuck like and I just excuse the language you need to put a parental (laughs) guidance advisory whatever thing in front of this one um but it gave me a real wake-up call as well uh and so like in February then when I found out that it was Hashimoto's I was like okay so we need to make a few lifestyle changes here so I got back into my running and got back into I do Bikram yoga loved it when I did it before Mm -hmm. And then just I was like, oh, my God, it takes two hours. I don't have two hours in the day. Um, but now I'm like, 
no way. I'll do it even just twice a week. Yeah. Because that's my present to me. And it's really good. And it's a healing yoga. So, you know, it's kind of made me put the focus back on me a little yeah. bit so and not to you, apologize for yeah, it either giving you in a roundabout way time for yourself oh it's totally made me yeah. you know kind of go okay well it's all great now to want to you know set up a company and to to do things and to help child's development and stuff but actually you need to be around for your own kids mm-hmm. yeah like it really did just kind of gave me a kick up the pants to get back in touch with that integration yeah like so now I'll integrate into my day um some yoga I couldn't have you on without really talking to you about the development of babies because how I came across you was um must have been October, November, you were doing quite a lot of Q&A's on your Instagram. Would that be right? Yeah, November. Yeah. It was November. And um, I remember Alice just was like refusing <laughs> to turn. And I was watching your videos and how to get her to turn. I was oh, like going yeah. down. I was like, come on, Alice, I got to get you turning. And it was actually kind of a sensory ball that I was kind of moving back and forth from her. And she eventually wanted to get it herself. And that yeah. got her turning. And at that time, I remember you talking about the importance of crawling. Yeah. And again, um, because you see again on Instagram, like you see other babies similar to you. They might be only two or three weeks either side yeah. of, you know, Alice's age, for instance. Yeah. You, you can see their development. And you're kind of going, oh, she's not moving yet or she's a bit slower to do yeah. that. So we were kind of talking about Alice and kind of going, how am I going to get her crawling? And, I remember, and then some people are like, oh, don't worry, you know, my child never called. And I remember your video and you were very much, no, no, no. Yeah. You know, even if they get to walking, bring them back a stage and get them crawling. Mm. So there was no movement out of her. Like she was on her bum and she was doing that bum shuffling. And I was yeah. like, how am I going to get her? So I said to Ben, I said, you know what, this weekend, I'm if I have to spend the, the weekend in the house on all fours with her, yeah. I'm getting her crawling. Yeah. And... I work four days a week, so I take off Fridays and I spent fr- that Friday all day on the ground. And by the evening time, Ben came home. He said, oh, my gosh, she's crawling. And I said, yeah, I, said, I just spent the entire day yeah. on all fours with her and, and helping her get yeah. on all fours. Because the yeah. first time I did it, she absolutely bawled. She was never one to be on her stomach, didn't like tummy time. Yeah. Um. So I was like, maybe she's just not going to be a crawler. But in my head, I you'd planted that seed. Yeah. And I was like, oh, Alice, I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to yeah, really yeah, help yeah. you here. And it, we got there. Yeah. But yeah, it was the, it was your Q&A's back in November. I that, know, back th- when I had time. Yeah. And I'd only started doing the Q&A's because I never really knew what to be doing on Instagram, yeah. to be honest. And like how to voice what I know without striking the fear of God into people too, you know, kind of giving it as like a helping hand almost as opposed to, oh, if you don't do this, your child is like screwed kind of um, because that's not the case. There is, you know, there are certain things like the crawling really, really they should do. And I would be super passionate about that. And, you know, kind of that's where you can often pick up identifiers where there can be difficulties like there's a reason why they're not doing that. But I constantly get um, queries in from mums about not crawling and bum shuffling. And, you know, and I'm like, mm, if you can help them 
you know, really, it's really, really important. It really is really important that they do the cross crawl. And only one mum recently, actually, she just sent me a message and she was like, so and described what her the action her little one was doing, which was not a normal cross crawl. And I just said to her, I was like, OK, look, this is what I reckon you need to do. And I put her in touch with somebody. And I was like, I think you need to have a session or two here. And uh, and then you need to like show them what to do, because mm-hmm. especially for your first child, like parents sit back and they expect them to crawl but who in the house is crawling yeah like how do they know what crawling is um or how do they know what they're supposed to be doing next you know so I always say like babies learn it's called mimetic learning where they'll mime like mimic what you're doing um and you'll notice it like you know when you're doing your cooing and your kang and you're like oh baby and you know and you'll often see them and they're moving their lips and yeah and then they're moving their tongue and what they're trying to do is they're trying to figure out how your lips and tongue are moving but they're making noise and you know it's like they're, they're literally wiring the muscles in their mouth to their brain to figure out like how to get that noise out as well and it's the exact same thing for everything same with the feeding same with the walking same but crawling, we don't crawl around. Yeah. So if you can show them like what they should be doing, it makes such a difference. But anyway, the, so the mum came back to me like a week or two later and she was like, oh, my God, you seriously know you're and this is a legitimate curse because she put it in her text. Which, like, she, was, <laughs> she was like, you seriously know your shit because I literally had one session and that evening she was doing the cross crawl. I was like, boom. Yes, I do. Didn't even need to see your kid. I was able to tell you what to do. But, you know, it's just yeah. like some of it is really intuitive. Um, but she was delighted. And it just it means that both sides of the brain are getting stimulation. Whereas if only one side like that with a bottom hop, bum shuffle, um, only one side is being moved. So it doesn't it means that the same stimulation isn't going into both sides. And if you allow that to continue, it can develop into something bigger. So so I'm so glad that you (laughs) thank you. But it is yeah, crawling and rolling. Yeah, rolling. They're just milestones. And as a new parent, you're like, how am I going to get this child, this baby to to do these things? And you kind of do feel a bit under pressure. People are like, oh, are they rolling or are they crawling? And you're like, "Mm." yeah. Um, And there's so many like I put up a post recently because I was horrified at something I had seen and I can't even remember whose page it was now, but I know that I just know that they weren't qualified. Mm-hmm. Like it was an opinion piece, mm-hmm. completely inaccurate information given with a big account. And I was like, no, I mean, you might have a bigger reach doesn't mean just because you have a bigger reach, you know these mm-hmm. things like that's it's and it's not okay and that's the one thing that really drives me insane about social media is how people kind of get a bit of an ego then just because they've like 50 60 70,000 or whatever and all of a sudden they feel that they're like you know they know everything yeah. and they can speak on every topic and whatever and it's so dangerous particularly when you're thinking about child development mm-hmm. You know, so I put up a post and I was like, look, this is me. And this these are my qualifications. Please just be careful 
about where you're getting your information from because now it's such a noisy space mm-hmm. um and even just some brands like yeah and you just look at their products and you know that some 23 year old cool dude out of college designed that has no clue about what is required for a child's development um it's just like 129 euros and you're going to spend then when they're four onwards it'll be identified that this caused an issue you're going to spend hundreds of thousands trying to undo what that rubbish has done you know and it's just infuriates me um as you can tell, I'm quite passionate <laughs> about it. But that's why as well, moms will often say, and like I do say moms because I think my stats say it's like 97% are moms and 3% are dads just on the page. But like moms will always kind of say to me, they're like, you know, get the message going, oh my God, it's so refreshing because you just, you know, here you are with some DIY stuff, yeah. sensory. I literally try to look around the house. I mean, if you actually, if you were to walk into my house this morning, I would be mortified. But anyway, besides that, on my kitchen table, I have like six boxes. They're probably bigger than shoe boxes, but six boxes stacked. And it's all stuff that you would have in your house that like I had when my kids were growing up and then obviously got rid of because, you know, we're not doing that sort of stuff anymore. But I've reloaded them mm-hmm. because I'm going to like start doing more and more on kind of Instagram about little DIY things that you can do for sensory development because in the early years less is more yeah because if you give too much of an input the brain shuts down because it can't filter what's important information and what's not so it goes into this kind of paralysis where it's like ah I actually can't help you make a decision here. Don't know what's going on. Can't process anything. So I'm going to protect you. And I'm just going to shut down. It's the same with screens. iPhone, iPad, no child under two should ever have one ever for even 10 minutes. None. Because what happens is there's too much going on. The screen is flicking every millisecond mm-hmm. and, you know, and their brains aren't wired. They just can't handle it. And Uh, you know and they go into this zombie like state whereas you'll hear parents go oh but it helps it calms them and then they'll fall asleep and you're like no you've just zombified your child and then they fall asleep it's not that they've calmed down Mm -hmm. and you need it's your job as a parent to help your child figure out how to calm themselves down you know it's like hearing no from two years onwards Mm -hmm. You need to help them navigate these feelings because when they're older, how are they going to calm themselves down? Yeah, when they always rely on us. You're wiring for addiction. That's what you're doing because it fires the same centers in the brain. That's scientifically proven. It's not stuff that I'm just making up. That is scientifically proven. You're wiring your child for addiction and what's going to happen when they're older and they need to calm down. And, And you see some stuff developed and you're just kind of going oh sweet baby Jesus like actually you know that is child abuse not child development um like somebody I was asked to comment on something about six months ago where a company in the UK had launched a pram uh, not a pram a cot with an embedded iPad in it so that your child could fall asleep watching their iPad oh and I was like what like I can't believe this exists 
And you tackled Dun Drum Town Centre as I well. Did. I did. I did. I went out to have yeah. a meeting with the two men now. Um, and actually, they were lovely. Um, they're not taking the screens out, but they took it on board. They actually, they 100% got what I was saying to them. And I was like, do you know, actually, a lot of people were kind of annoyed about the screens. I said, I didn't even notice them because, you know, when I was shopping with little ones, there was no screens in Dun Drum. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and I said it was actually a couple of mums had sent me in DM saying, can you believe these screens are in Dundrum? So I was like, oh, my God, no. And a lot of OTs and speech and language therapists also weighed in on the conversation. Yeah, they were like, they are horrendous. Can't believe it. You know, this is terrible. If you need us to come along and back you up. (laughs) I was like, oh, my God, that's amazing. Let me just have the first meeting <laughs> before we start storming Dundrum because um, that's where I'd shop. So I don't want to get banned from there. <laughs> like, where will I get my Zara fix? <laughs> but um, yeah, so went out, had the meeting and they brought me around. They showed me and they were talking through the new plans because they're extending and they're making areas bigger. And then they're making the feeding room. They're redoing a whole new feeding room, which Amazing. is like. It, like it sounds great um but then the, the the architects wanted to put a screen in the feeding room and i was like let me stop you right there and they were like no no let me stop you right there before you say anything we're not we're putting in a fish tank we've brought this guy in who's an expert i think they said from wexford which i was really delighted that he's an irish you know it's an irish company yeah. as well um so specially designed kind of a fish tanky thing I'm probably not doing it justice but it sounds amazing and I was like that's so much better yeah so much better like you need to be thinking sensory yeah not screen nothing sensory about a screen except overload you know and it's in a 2d world Mm -hmm. and it's like kids don't understand that they don't learn from 2d they'll never like you know these apps that are oh learn to write oh learn to read I'm like I don't know anybody that writes with their index finger like it drives me crackers because I think there's one app in particular and I reckon because it keeps coming up whenever I'm on Instagram. So I think they must be targeting my audience or something. But I'm like, how can I stop this? Because this is absolute nonsense, you know, and all you see is like just the kid tracing with the finger. I'm like, nobody writes with their index finger. And by doing that, you're really not developing anything in the hand either. There's no manual dexterity, there's no pencil grip, you know, no tripod grip, nothing ready for writing at all. It's terrible. Um, You'd be much better off giving them a tray of sand and letting them trace the letters in sand or give them a tray of uncooked rice or something and let them trace letters that way. That's so much better. Um, But anyway, get off my high horse there. Um, yeah, sorry, I get totally distracted. <laughs> no, it's just you're, about you're hitting a few trigger points here now. So. Okay. It's just about development in general. I yeah. suppose I just found I don't know how I came across your page, probably just from the product and then putting it into Instagram. And I just found maybe something on Ireland AM. Exactly, it probably was. Yeah. Um, when I was on maternity leave, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was just I found it so informative because yeah. as a new parent, there is so much information out there, and you kind of don't know where to go to get yeah. solid information yeah so I just loved your highlights I thought they were absolutely brilliant and yeah I I, I spent hours just looking through those highlights and, and re-watching them and kind of going okay this is how to do that and yeah because it's a whole new skill to try and teach a baby to crawl and, and move and but even to pick up and yeah it's a whole new skill 
to get into the mind of somebody who hasn't used theirs yet. Yeah. You know, so to really tap into what do I need to be doing or, you know, and it's not to guilt parents into stuff if, you know, if that's what maybe it's sounding like. It's not. It's just about bringing a mindfulness Mm -hmm. to how you're spending your time with your little one and making the most of it because we are like we're all time poor. We really are. And you want to be having the best and most meaningful interaction with your little ones. And you are their world like because like you were saying, you know, like they grew inside you and then they're out and you're cuddling them and so on. So really your child is just an extension of you for the first 12 months of life because they have those, you know, there's the primitive reflexes which are the reflexes that help them to survive the first 12 months survive gravity getting used to they've they've lived in a water bubble for Mm -hmm. nine months they need to figure out how to get used to gravity first of all and the feeling of that on their body then they need to figure out what bits are theirs and how to move them and you know kind of like it's like I always kind of say it's you know the way if you lie on your arm and you fall asleep (laughs) and then you wake up and it's dead and you're looking at it And your brain is going move and it is a dead weight. It's not going anywhere. So that's kind of the world that they're living in at the moment where they're looking at this thing. And, you know, like that moved yesterday when I wanted it to. But now it's not today. And, you know, and they're trying to figure out how to get that to move again. And so all of these things. And then like if you give it a massage or a tickle and then it moves, and they're like, oh, okay, And it's all of that. That does the most amazing brain wiring on the planet. It's the simple, cool stuff. And just having that like face to face and really being expressive, uh, like so much more expressive than you would normally be. But it's like I come away now from my nieces and nephews and I literally like have a pain in my face (laughs) because I've been smiling and you're, you know, you're back in the parentese and it's, oh and this but that's what they need that's how they learn and that's the key kind of thing you know recently I did a thing on Ireland AM about um, jumperoos door hoppers oh, yeah. bouncers and that because I had just mentioned it in passing in a previous one but there was loads of messages in on Instagram going sorry you mentioned something about that what is it and you know um, so I just I said it to the producers in Ireland AM and they're they're so amazing and they were totally receptive and they were like, it's actually a really good point. Like, let's do a segment on it. And I was like, that would be so cool. And literally so many people didn't know that, like, number one, a chunk of these kind of products are banned in certain countries. Mm-hmm. Number two, that they actually do damage to your child's development and their legs and their hips. And number three, that you should never consider using them before your child has crawled for about two months. And like people were like, why is this not known? Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, because the marketing company that's pushing these products are choosing to not tell you this, you know, whatever. Um, And they'll just kind of shrug their shoulders. The companies go, it's on the instructions somewhere, you know, (laughs) it's probably in that teeny tiny little fine print somewhere. But it's really, you know, like it's really, really important. Now, that's kind of, I suppose, where my passion would lie. There's an awful lot of problems that are preventable. If You know where to go for kind of some good advice without being terrified. Like any any medical professional or pediatric OT or speech language therapist, any of those will kind of tell you 
you know, like what products to use and what not to use. Public mm-hmm. health nurse, even if you're not sure, like double check, but just double check with a resource that's qualified. Yeah. Not because there's 70,000. Like every time I'm on Instagram, every single influencer these days seem to have their child in a walker or a door hopper or door bouncer. Mm-hmm. Like, and I genuinely feel nauseous because I've never seen them crawl. I'm not saying they haven't crawled, mm-hmm. but it's it, that's never been shown on Instagram. But yet they're in this thing, zooming around and whatever yeah. else. And it's not. I probably sound like I'm being judgmental. I'm not. It's no, just scary. No, but I wouldn't have known any of that. Again, other than seeing you talk about it. And I was like, oh, you know, because you know, my parents would say, oh, how come you don't have her in a walker? And I was like, well, actually, you know, they're not really recommended anymore because of. Yeah. But again, I would say I read a lot and I would say I'd be quite conscious of what I buy Alice and you know be aware of developments and stuff but again would be as a new parent blind to the fact that actually that isn't a great thing to bring into the house yeah no you know yeah and it's and if you go away and buy it then at least you you, you've made that decision but I would hate to have bought it used it and then found out and went oh no I didn't know that you know so I'd rather make a decision and go well I knew this isn't yeah, yeah I knew this isn't ideal but look it suits me because maybe I'm at home and I need to put her somewhere that she's yeah. safe or something whatever need that you have it, that it's filling for you um then you know that's fine but at least it's not for a parent to go away and go oh no I didn't know that yeah and I yeah. do think there's definitely a gap because it's oh, just absolutely. not you know and it's not saying you never use them it's like when to use them yeah like never before they've crawled never and then after, if you choose to use them after they've crawled for a couple of months, then that's your thing. But, you know, be mindful. I always say set a timer on your phone for 10 minutes. You know, if you yeah. if you need to throw some dinner in the oven or something like that, just set the timer because like we all know it can be two hours in the blink of an eye, essentially, oh, completely. you know. So it's that part of the podcast where I have to ask you three questions. OK, go for it. <laughs> what would you tell your pregnant self? Cool the jets you'll be fine <laughs> you'll survive and um trust your gut instinct actually yeah that's a good that one would be a really my gp and i say this every so often my gp when my eldest was maybe six or seven months and i was apologizing for bringing him down because i knew he was out of sorts and uh, like I knew the GP was busy and I was just, you know, I was like, I'm I'm probably overreacting. And in fairness to my GP he was amazing. He just said, Alan, said, never apologize, number one, for bringing your child to me. It doesn't matter. He said, like, you're better off. If in doubt, check it out. Mm-hmm. And he said, the other thing I want you to know is you trust your gut. He said, even if I'm giving you an answer that you're not happy with, he said, take it further. Because you know your child. He said, you've grown this person. You know your child inside out and upside down. You're with them 24 hours a day. So if you say that there's something off, there's something off. So sort that out. And I was like, okay. (laughs) So it kind of made me feel better about, you know, like just kind of gave me permission to go up my gut. Um, So, yeah, so that's probably what I would say from the start. Don't, (laughs) don't not believe in yourself. And what one product could you not live without? And that can be person, place, thing, service. I think the one thing that I can't live without, obviously, like 
excluding kids yeah. and family and friends and the obvious sort of stuff. For me, I think probably the most important thing to me is having some headspace. So that's what I really need. I like I was saying, you know, I like to think on things. I am a bit of a probably a bit of an overanalyzer at times, but I love I love reading and I love to have that time to sort stuff out in my head and let my brain filter and, you know, mm-hmm. um, so that's probably a really crappy answer. But like I couldn't live where every second of every day was busy, busy, busy and, you know, kind of segmented and like preordained and whatever else and the constant sensory input and stuff. like yeah. that. I like to be able to take a breath and think and what has been your magic moment? My magic moment. I think every day has a magic moment in it, to be honest, even on the crappiest days. Um, there's always something positive to find. So again, it's a really twee thing, obviously becoming a parent like that's just no words can do that justice like. Um, and then because I had to leave the hospital before the boys, so mm-hmm. they both came home after me. So obviously bringing them home and knowing that they were healthy enough to be home, you know, that goes without saying. Like, But I do think there's a little bit of magic in every day and it's just to be able to have the time to pause and find it and recognize it. Because I think if we're not happy with the simple things. Even if you get the more fancy, complicated things, you're still not going to be happy. So you need to just value the real, true, important things. I'm going to leave it there because that's like, I'm <laughs> not like, ooh, we're tree huggery. No, but it's really You'll true. find me at the back garden <laughs> hugging a tree. Um, but it is the simple things. Like I love sunsets and yeah. I've like an absolute addiction to that. And I have passed that on to the boys. Where like we'll literally if it's been a cracker of a day, I might throw them in the car and we'll head to Sea Point to just watch the sunset because it's going to be spectacular. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, really simple things in nature that I want them to find their magic things because life is not a straight road. It does throw you curveballs. I never thought that I would, you know, be divorced with a one and a three year old to raise solo. That wasn't in my plan. And, you know, I think it's about being able to if you can find like your magic moment in the day, mm-hmm. uh, every day, it'll help you get through the really crappy times because it helps you keeping positive and keeping focused on, you know, seeing the good stuff. Because I think that if you walk into a room and you ask somebody kind of, can you see any green? They're going to find the green. Mm-hmm. So it's the same thing. It's like, you know, you need to try to focus on finding the positive because there's all there is always something positive, you know, even when like tragedy happens, things could be worse or, you know, that could have happened or this could have happened or, you know, Mm -hmm. like, okay, it's not an ideal scenario, but actually it is what it is. We're all here. We're still all fine. We're still this. We're still that. Now let's, you know. Let's celebrate that and move it on. So thank you so much. (laughs) It does. Absolutely. Um, I've loved having you in. We could talk for hours. Um, I would really recommend to anyone to check out the Cognitive Kids Instagram um, in particular, all of your highlights, because it's so, so informative. 
Thank you for listening to today's episode of For All Mumkind. If you've enjoyed it, please rate, review and subscribe. If you'd like to send me a message, please email forallmumkind at gmail.com or find me on Instagram and see you on the next episode of For All Mumkind, the podcast.